Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Light, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. Amen. Thank you so much. Hey, don't, don't you just love to sing about the cross? You know, it, that's what separates what you and I believe from every other religion in the world. Uh, you know, every other religion in the world says, I'm going to do what I can do to get to God. And Jesus came to you and me. He bridged the gap we couldn't. So we're thankful for the cross today. Hey, I'm glad you're here for Men of the Bible. This is the third week of Men of the Bible. And I really, really did try to come up with a catchier title. It is what it is, right? It is, we're talking about Men of the Bible. So um, I, I just want to remind you, this is not just for men. Now, next Sunday on Father's Day, we'll kind of be. We're kind of going to spend some time just like, you know, ladies, you heard from my wife on Mother's Day, and she was, you know, busting your chops a little bit. Not really. But, but uh, next week, we're going to talk to men. Uh, but the, the, the sermon series, it really isn't just for men. And here's the deal. Um, we learn a lot from sometimes what people do and sometimes what, what people do well, and sometimes we learn from mistakes people make. And that holds true with people in the Bible. We learned from Samson, and he did some pretty stupid things. Sorry for saying stupid. Uh, and, and just so you know, this isn't a history lesson. Uh, I love Old Testament history, and, and there's so much depth and richness in Old Testament history. Uh, but this is more than a history lesson. We're learning some real-life application stuff from men of the Bible. So in order to do that, I'm going to start with a funny story. I think it's funny. You may not, but I'm going to tell you the story anyway. Is that all right? All right, here we go. There were these two preachers that met together every week and rode their bicycles together. They rode their bicycles together every week. This one particular week, one of the preachers showed up on foot, did not have his bicycle with him. And so his partner said, well, what happened to your bicycle? You won't believe it. Someone has stolen my bicycle. Someone has stolen my bicycle. And what's worth, what's worse, I think it's somebody from my church. And he said, no way. A member of your church stole your bicycle. I believe a member of my church stole my bicycle. He said, well, I'm going to tell you what to do. Next Sunday, next Sunday, preach a sermon on the Ten Commandments. And when you get to the part, thou shalt not steal... You just hammer it home. Hammer it home. Thou shalt not steal. The Bible says not supposed to steal. The Ten Commandments, not supposed to steal. Hammer it home. He said, okay, I think I'll do that. I think I will do that. So the next week comes around. And guess what? He had his bicycle back. He had his bicycle back. And, and his partner said, I told you. I told you it would work. I, I told you if you preached on the Ten Commandments and you talked about stealing, somebody bring your bicycle back because I feel so guilty and convicted. Isn't that what happened? And he said, not exactly. So what do you mean? He goes, well, I did, I did what you said and I, I preached on the Ten Commandments. But when I got to the part about thou shalt not commit adultery, I remembered where I left my bicycle. Okay, maybe that was inappropriate. But it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help us because today we're going to talk about Daniel. And Daniel did not ride a bicycle. Daniel taught us about integrity. We're going to talk about integrity. Sean is rubbing his head. He's like, I can't believe my pastor just talk, said the adultery joke. <clears throat> we're going to talk about integrity. So if, if you have your Bibles open, we're going to be bouncing around in the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. We're not going to read every single passage that I referred to just for the sake of time, but if you're interested in some of the things that we talk about today, then you can go home, read the first six chapters of the book of Daniel, and you'll see everything that we talked about. Um, 
Would you agree with me if I were to say that nobody likes to be lied to? Nobody likes to be cheated on. Nobody likes to be dealt with in their business dealings in an untrustworthy manner. We expect people to be honest with us. Isn't that true? I don't like people to lie to me. Would you agree with that? You don't like people to lie to you. Um, Here's what you need to know. The church is not immune to that sort of stuff. I'd like to tell you that there'll never come a time when a Christian brother or sister won't lie to you. But those of you that have been around long enough to know that that very well may happen. I'd like to tell you that there's never compromises in integrity that happen within the body of Christ. But as long as we carry around this skin, that very well may happen. Um, We hear too many stories of pastors buying $80 million jets. We, We hear a lot of, almost said the S word again. We hear a lot of stupid things. And yeah, I scared y'all for a minute, didn't I? We told the adultery joke. No telling where we'd go from there. We, so I want to talk about integrity today. I'll, and more specifically, here's, here's what I want to deal with. How many of you understand I got one person I can, I can control? I, I can't deal with, I, I can't control Kathy, John's been trying for a long time. It's not going to happen. I can't control any of you. I can control Dwayne. And so here's what we're going to talk about. What is our response? How does a believer respond in those moments when there's a lie, when there's cheating, when there's somebody stole something from you? Uh, how many know anger doesn't help? It might help for a minute, but it doesn't help long term, right? Getting frustrated doesn't help. Uh, there's really only one response, and that's what we're going to talk about today. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. God intends for his children to be people of integrity. Proverbs 12, verse 22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. God has called you and I to be people of integrity, people who are trustworthy. Our response as followers of Christ is not to fuss at someone else for not having integrity. It's to build integrity in our own lives. It's uh, the most, let, let me say it like this, the most honest people on the planet ought to be followers of Christ. The most trustworthy people on the planet ought to be followers of Jesus because your life and mine has been redeemed by the cross that we just sang about. We ought to be the most trustworthy people on the planet. I wonder if you took a poll and, and I searched for this poll and I, I couldn't find it. So I'm just curious. I wonder if we surveyed people who were unchurched, people who were far from God, if you felt like are, are church people more trustworthy than the general population? I wonder what the response would be. See, what we would hope people would say is, oh yes, you can trust those church people. I'm afraid that because of what they've seen, they've seen on television, because of the stupidity that's taking place in our world, I, I think the response might not be as pleasant as we like. So what do we do about that? You and I become people of integrity. We can't control anybody else. But you and I are going to talk about how you, we, we can become people of integrity. Let's define integrity. You ready? Write this down. Integrity is the quality of being honest, moral, and upright. Honest, moral, and upright. I, I, I read some statistics this week that, I don't know, they're a little disturbing. I'm going to just throw a couple of them at you, see what you think. of people admit to lying at least once during a 10-minute conversation. In other words, if you talk to somebody over 10 minutes, somebody in that process is going to tell a lie 60% of the time. The average is three in 10 minutes. So, anyway. The average person lies over 1,400 times a year. You know what the most common lie is? I'm fine. 
Think, think, think about it. Is it a lie to say I'm fine when you're not fine? The second most common is when your wife says, I don't care where we eat. I made that up. But it's true. It is true. 57% of men, 54% of women admit to adultery in past or present relationships. Over half. And so the ladies just went, well, that's, men do it more. But listen to this. More women, women are better at lying about their affair. 95% of high school students said they participated in some form of cheating on a test, plagiarism, or copying someone else's homework. 35% million a day or $13 billion a year is reported from shoplifting. What could you do with $13 billion next year? Parents, parents, raise your hand. Did you teach your children how to lie? Did you? Did they anyway? Watch, see if this rings a bell to anybody in the room. What are you eating? You didn't eat anything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with mommy. <laughs> are you telling me the truth? Yeah. Do you have any snacks? Yeah. All right, now that's just, in that, I'm sorry, but that's cute, isn't it? Isn't that cute? Who taught that little boy how to lie? Nobody taught that little boy how to lie. He saw his fanny in trouble, and that lie was self-defense, wasn't it? So I, I showed you that to tell you this. If you're, writing, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Integrity is not the norm. Your natural response as a carnal, broken human being is not to gravitate toward integrity. Because you live in a broken world, and I live in a broken world, the opposite is very much true. We are not people of integrity by nature. We are people of integrity. We become people of integrity intentionally. We become people of integrity, not just by willing to, but because our lives have been redeemed, and it's a work of the cross. A fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And here's why this is important. Your life is a testimony. How we behave matters how we live our life is important if the gospel has really transformed our lives if our walk with christ has really changed us then how we behave matters here's why you can write this down christians with integrity are a testimony to people who are far from God. Thought we were going to talk about Daniel. We're getting there. Laying a little groundwork. 
your testimony, people that, that follow Jesus, your integrity is a testimony to people who don't follow Jesus. There's this cool story in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 where Paul is traveling around and got a pretty nice offering. But there's, there's several people with him that he's supporting. And he wanted to make sure that nobody thought ill of him for receiving the offering and, and for using it for their living expenses. And he makes this statement. And how many of you ever said, I don't worry about pleasing men, I only worry about pleasing God? I, I, I believe that to a certain extent, but the opinions of men is, is important. Here's what Paul said. For we are taking pains to do what is right. Just stop there a minute. We are taking pains to do what is right. We're doing all we can to do the right thing, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. It's important that you and I have integrity in our business dealings, have integrity in our speech, have integrity in the way we treat our spouses, have integrity in the way we do our life. It's important. I I sent this out on Facebook today just to see what people would say. The life you live speaks much louder than the words you say. Would you agree with that statement? That how you live your life is louder than what you say with your mouth. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and they're telling you about something and you're thinking in your mind, that is absolutely not true. So does it, once you get that idea in your mind that, that people aren't, aren't, aren't telling you the truth, does it matter what else they say from that point forward? No. Here's why it's important. Because somebody is watching you. You have eyes on you. As do I. In fact, the moment you said to someone that's, that, that might be unchurched, might be far from God, the moment you said to someone, I'm going to church Sunday morning, they're watching you. You don't have to say you're a Christian. You don't have to say anything about who you are. If they know you go to church, their eyes are on you. Because I believe in the heart of men and women who are far from God, they're looking for something that is real. They're looking for something that can actually transform their lives. And I believe our responsibility as believers is to become men and women of integrity because people are watching you. You've got children in your life that are watching you. I don't have little children anymore. But they're watching me. They're watching how I treat their mother. They watch how I spend our money. They watch. You know why? Because they're searching for an example. I had, a, had an awful conversation a, a few weeks ago with a young man. He's 27 years old. And I'm, I'm, it's 1030 at night and I'm standing on, in a driveway. And with tears just, ball, just flowing down his face. He's telling me his story. See, I, I, I know this young man. I know him well. And I know about his dad. His dad was a, uh, a severe alcoholic. Severe. And literally drank himself into the ground. And here's what this young man, this 27-year-old young man began to say. I, the only thing I didn't want to be was my dad, and now I am. I'm going to tell you that there are people that are watching you. There's probably people who are, well, Dwayne, I'm not a parent. I'm telling you there's somebody watching you. There's somebody looking to you. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a a co-worker. Maybe, you know, these guys had all all sorts of people over here at at the open house yesterday. Maybe they're looking, maybe they're not showing up to church today, but maybe they're watching for a volunteer to treat them kindly. Maybe they're looking for somebody to actually treat them with, with kindness and integrity. Somebody's watching us. And I'm going to tell you, just like Paul said, it's important that we please God. But but isn't it important that we set the right example in front of men? And I'm going to say, yes, it is. Because somebody's watching you. So here's, here's where Daniel comes in. I'm just going to give you real quick cliff notes. Uh... Daniel's a young man in Daniel chapter 1. We think he's somewhere in the teenage years. Um, 
with, uh, and, and when you pick up the story, uh, there's this whole group of people that uh, the Babylonian Empire has taken captive, and they look for the sharpest, brightest, best of the best, and the Bible names Daniel and three of his friends. Um, if you, you heard the story Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, that's Daniel's three friends with their Babylonian names. They've got three other Hebrew names that I'm not even going to try to pronounce right now. But, but there in Daniel chapter 1, you see Daniel and his three friends taken into captivity. And, and something beautiful happens over the next six chapters. Daniel has opportunity after opportunity to operate with integrity. Daniel has opportunity after opportunity to stand for what is right and for his God. Uh, so you've, when I say the word Daniel, you probably think of a couple of different things. You think Daniel and the lion's den. You've heard, you've heard that story. We're going to get there in just a minute. But Daniel was a, an interpreter of dreams. God had given him a gift to where he could interpret dreams. And this one particular day, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king at the time, said, uh, I, I'm having this dream and I need somebody to interpret it. So he calls these, we would call them magicians in, and they're trying to interpret. And he finally says, listen, I'm killing everybody that doesn't interpret my dream correctly. I mean, that's Dwayne's paraphrase, but that's basically what happened. And so they called Daniel in. Would your knees be knocking, by the way? Yes. They called Daniel in. And Daniel correctly interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Now, we're not going to go into the details of the dream. You can look. You can find that for yourself uh, in Daniel chapter 2. But here's, here's what I want you to see. There's this moment where Daniel's able to do what nobody else could do. W- would your chest swell with pride? Here's what I want you to see. The first thing, people with integrity don't crave recognition. Daniel chapter 2, verse 30, after all this happened, here's how Daniel's response It's not because I'm wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. What's the first thing Daniel did? He threw the glory back to God. So it's real easy when when people brag on you and something great that you've done to stand back and... Here's where the integrity part comes in. Listen. Listen. If you're all, if, if you spend a lot of time trying to tell people how good you are, you're probably not all that good. Because people who have integrity really don't care who gets the credit. And I think Daniel's example is a great one for us. When those people that walked through the Thrive Storehouse yesterday... And I wasn't here, but I know how, I've been there enough to know how it works. Thank you guys for what you're doing for us. Here's the response. Man, you need to thank God. We, they, they are so good about putting the praise back where it belongs. And can I tell you, that's a great principle for you and I to live our life by. You know, if, if we always got to be at the top of the trophy case, you'll lie to stay there. If it's important to you how how good people think you are, you'll lie to make them think you're that good. I'm telling you, let's not live our lives that way. And y'all are looking at me with just big eyes right now. People with integrity tell the truth in all situations. He told another he told another, uh, he, uh, he interpreted another dream. And, I'm, and this one didn't turn out quite the same as the first dream. Because he had to tell the king some pretty rough stuff. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're standing there in front of the king and, and you have this information that you know he does not want to hear. And he has the power to kill you. He has the power to wipe you out. He has the power to say, you know, off with his head. Would you be hesitant to tell him the truth? We'd like to say, no, no, no. I'd, I'm just curious. 
Daniel was a man of integrity, and he was, uh, he was not afraid to tell the truth in every situation. Here's what he said. He's explaining the dream to the king, and here's what he says. This is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to my lord the king. You'll be driven from human society. You'll live in the fields with the wild animals. You'll eat grass like a cow. And you'll be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass and you'll live this way until you learn, until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. Down to verse 27, he says, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Did that take, we talked about courage last week. Did that take some courage to be, to have that kind of integrity in the face of death? And I'm just going to tell you, it's so easy for us to compromise our integrity when things get, when we get caught with the sprinkles on our lips, what's the first thing we want to do? Lie our way out of that. And what, he, did you see, he, I did not do it. I'm going to tell you that I believe that the proper response for the body of Christ, the proper response to the followers of Christ is to, in all situations, be people of integrity. It's not always easy. It's funny, I'm studying for this message and I get a phone call. It was, it was early, early, early Friday morning. And I'm out of my deck and I'm typing away and my phone rings. And someone had called to ask some advice. And they said, uh, I'm filling out a job application, and I'm a little tempted not to do, not, not to say, tell the whole story. I'm, I want to get your advice. I said, okay, tell me what's going on. He said, well, as you know, I've got a little bit of a past. And they asked on uh, the job application about this particular part of my past. It was decades ago. And I'm afraid this may prohibit me from getting the job. What should I do? I don't want to lie. I said, you may not like this answer. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. There's always an opportunity to not be truthful. There's, guess what? Every April 15th, you got a choice. Nobody's going to know. I'm never going to get, I don't make enough money for them to worry about me getting audited. You have an opportunity in many, many different situations to be truthful or not. And I'm going to tell you, as followers of Christ, we should be truthful in all situations. That, maybe, that's not, maybe that's not a popular stand. I just think that's who we should be. I think we should be followers of Christ. I think we should tell the truth. Is that old school? Tell the truth. When's it okay to lie? Never. I think God honors that. Write this down. Integrity is powerful. Integrity can heal a relationship. Integrity can right a wrong. Integrity, in Daniel's case, can influence a nation. All right, so... We were in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel, Daniel chapter 3 is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fiery furnace. You ought to read that. That's an awesome story. Daniel chapter 6 is the lion's den. Now, here's what you have to understand. We read Daniel chapter 1 to Daniel chapter 6 in about 20 minutes. It's 70 years. So Daniel is now 80, give or take. And has all of this authority. Um, God has blessed him because of his integrity. And there's these people who don't like it. How many know that sometimes you get blessed and other people around you don't like it? Right? Uh, and here's what they said. We, we want to get Daniel out of the picture. We don't like it, the fact that this Hebrew's got this authority. So how can we... How can we trip him up? So you know Daniel's in the lion's den. I'm going to tell you how he got there. So this group of people said the only way we can trip him up, the only way we can mess with him 
has got to be something to do with his religion. Because we know we're not going to be able to catch him compromises integrity. We've watched him for the last six decades. We know we're not going to be able to, you know, catch him with the problem with his intelligence because he's just proven himself to be wise and, and a great administrator. So they tricked Darius the king into signing this law that said, uh, you know, you're the great King Darius. You should sign a law that if anybody prays to any other thing, any other person, any other deity but you, that they should be cast into the lion's den. And Darius, because he obviously was very proud of himself, said, that sounds like a great idea. So he signed the law. And then, you can read it for yourself, they went back and said, now you remember that once you sign a law, Nobody can take it back, not even yourself. Okay, that's that's not a big deal. And here's Daniel's response. When he finds out that the law has been signed, that if you pray to any other god other than King Darius, here's what's going to happen to you. This is uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day. His first response, what, what me and you might have done, you and I might have done, gone home, well, we're going to pray, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut the windows. The Bible says he goes straight home, swings the windows open, looks out toward Jerusalem, and prays as he had done every day, three times. And so, into the lion's den he goes. You know the story. King Darius, at this point, realizes he's made a mistake. He realizes that I've just sent this great man to his death. And he feels very repentant about signing the law. Nothing he could do about it at this point. When you read the story, he actually is going back and forth and checking on Daniel. He gets there very early in the morning. And you know the story. Daniel comes out. It says that, that God sent an angel to shut the lion's mouths at, at 80 years old. And so here's King Darius' response. This Babylonian, heathen-worshiping, godless king. This one is in your bulletin if, you're not, if you don't have your Bible open. Daniel 6, verse 26. I decree that every... This is what a testimony of God's work in your life. This is what a testimony of you being integrity, of a person of integrity, not because you're just good, but because Jesus has redeemed you, because God's living in your life. This is what a testimony like that can do. The, the king says these words, I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and he will, his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. See, that sounds cool when I read it, but it, this was a pagan, godless king that recognized God's activity in Daniel's life. That's what being a person of integrity can do, can change a nation. So what do we do? I'm going to give you a couple of integrity bricks. And I call them bricks for three reasons. One reason. Because of the three little pigs. You know the story. Straw, sticks, bricks, right? The house with bricks stood because its walls had integrity. The other two fell because the integrity of their walls was compromised. So how do we become people of integrity? I'm going to give you just, I don't know, four or five. Understand this. First thing is to understand this principle, that there's never a right time to do the wrong thing. See, we want to try to justify our lack of integrity. We want to try to justify our compromise. And I'm going to tell you that there's never a right time to do that. There's never a right time to do the wrong thing. Second thing is to be transparent. And especially in your marriage. 
Did you hear me read that statistic that over half of every man, half of every woman, over half confessed to adultery, confessed to an inappropriate relationship? I, I, I know of no other thing. Other, you know, obviously, it's important that you go to church together. It's important that you, that you have devotion together. All that stuff is, is incredibly important. I'm not taking anything away from that. But I'm saying one of the most powerful tools... To a fair proof, to adultery proof your marriage is to have open, transparent conversations with your spouse about, what's this, about everything. Well, they may get mad. They may. If, if they know that this stuff's going on in my head, they might get mad. They, they might. But can I tell you, man, I heard a pastor say this, and, and I love this. He said, you're only as sick as your secrets. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that the way to have, to way to be a, because here, here's the truth. I'm just going to be, be frank and real. I can come up here and fool you. And you think I got all my stuff together. I can't fool her. She lives with me. I can't fool her. The most important relationship on this planet is right here. And I, I don't want to be one of those pastors that loses his wife. And so we've had some very, very, very difficult conversations. And I'm going to tell you, you've you got to have somebody in your life that if you're struggling with stuff, you can, you can flesh it out. You can open it up. If you're not married, man, you've got to have so, a friend in your life. You've got to have somebody that will help hold you accountable. You've got to have somebody that you can be completely transparent with and say, listen, I'm, I'm struggling with in this area. Help me. Transparency. I, I'm going I'm to camp out here and I don't have time. I, I, just, I need you to hear me. Man, if, if, if you've got stuff tucked away that you think you're hiding from other people, you're not. People know it. It, Find somebody you can talk to. Find somebody you can spill everything to. And listen, if you're married, I'm going to tell you that that person's your spouse. Well, I can't talk to my spouse. Well, you need to, you know, you need to work toward being able to do that. But in the meantime, find somebody, find somebody of not the opposite sex. We don't have time for that either, but that's, come on, somebody. All right, here we go. Let's go. Be transparent. Be selfless. Um, I, I know those of you that were in growth group this morning, Donna said you guys talked about selfishness. Listen, every compromise in integrity is birthed in selfishness. We lie to protect ourselves. We lie to get more stuff. We cheat because we want something that somebody else has. We steal because we want something that somebody else has. I'm going to tell you a couple of things. One of the things that I do um, that helps me in this area. Um, you, you probably have seen these two red bracelets on my arm. Um, and maybe you've wondered what they are. I'll, I'm going to tell you what they are right now. Um, this, this red one, it says, and you're going to laugh, but I don't care. <clears throat> it says, renegade pastor. And you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me that God didn't call my impersonation, my impression of somebody else. God called me to be me. God called me to lead like I lead, not like, like, you know, Rick Warren leads. God called me to be me. And that helps me, that keeps me grounded. And this other one says, I am second. About nine years ago, Mikey said, Dad, I want, I want you to see this website. And it's IamSecond.com. Can you believe it's been nine years? I'm second.com. And, and here's what the whole, I, you know how to go there, by the way, but here's what the, the message of I am second is, is I need to put God and other people first, and that makes me second. Well, Dwayne, that's cool that you wear, you know why I wear it like that? You know why I put it here? Because it doesn't come naturally to me. Now, you point your finger at me if you want, but I, I'm not naturally a selfless person. But when I see that on my arm, everywhere I go, it's a reminder 
to put Dwayne second and God and other people first. Because every, every compromise and integrity begins when I put myself, my needs above somebody else's. You're not getting that because I'm telling you that that's the key. That's the key to every lie, every, every, every adulterous affair, every, every time somebody's cheated on their taxes, everybody's shoplift a Hershey bar. It's when we've put our needs in front of somebody else's. What I want, what I need, what I think I have to have, what my need is, is more important than what somebody else's needs. And if we can get past that, if we can get to the point, God, you're first, other people are, uh, uh, you and other people, I'm second. We've been ever get there, then we can become people of integrity. That makes sense. Be selfless. I'm gonna give you two others, then we're gonna we're, we're done. The next thing I want you to write down is this: the only antidote for a lie is the truth. If you and I want to be people of integrity, here's what we must do. And I, I talk about this all the time, and you, you you may get sick of hearing it, but if you get sick of hearing it, so you got to go to another church because you're gonna hear this as long as you come to church here. You need to be a student of this book. The only antidote, antidote, the only antidote for a lie is the truth. The only way you're going to be a person of truth is to fill your heart with the truth. The only truth that's eternal is found in the pages of this book. Period. End of story. Next question. Well, I, I don't. I don't like to read the Bible. Well, I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't. Understand the Bible. Don't expect to be a person of integrity then. Oh, that was mean. It was true. And lastly, now that I've beat you up really good, be repentant. Because here's the deal. You're never going to get there. Until we see his face, we're not going to be perfect people. But here's what I've learned. In those moments of temptation, those moments when, when, when my integrity has been compromised, before I say anything to anybody else, here's what I need to do. I need to fall on my face before the cross that we sang in. God, wash me. Isaiah said, cleanse me so I'll be white as snow. Donna's going to come and play. And, and maybe that's a great place to just end today's message is, listen, I get it. You know, you know I, when we, we strive to be people of integrity, we're going to miss it from time to time. There's going to be those moments when you're not... There's going to be moments when you're not who everybody thinks you are. And it's in those moments. Here's a great prayer to pray in that moment. God, I am not who everybody thinks I am. But I want to be. And I know I can't do it on my own. I know I don't have the willpower to change me. But I believe in the cross and the Savior and the blood that was shed there can take all of the old things and make them brand new. See, at the end of the day, our goal is not to not lie and not cheat and not steal. That's not our goal. What our goal is, is to be more like Jesus. So I want you to bow your heads with me. We're going to pray. Maybe the first thing I want to just throw out at you this morning as we, as we prepare to leave, as we prepare to pray, is if, if, you're not, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I, I meant what I said. Jesus came. He lived and he died. He, he lived 33 years, a sinless life. And, and he's the only one that's ever done that. And the only reason he could do that is because he was God on foot. We believe that Jesus was 100% God, 100% man. And he lived this life 
to, to show you and I an example of how to live. And then after giving us 33 years of an example of how to live, He paid this great price by paying for the sins of humanity with His own blood. And then just to prove that He was who He said He was, He rose again from the, on the third day. And here's, here's the best part. We believe that He is alive today. The Bible says He sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. In other words, right now, He's praying for you. How cool is that? So if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would invite you to become one today. Well, how do I do that? Well, the Bible says when we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, the Lord Jesus, that God raised Him from the dead, we'll be saved. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to cleanse us from all the lies that cheat, steal, all that stuff. If we confess Him with our mouth. The Bible says that greater love has no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you and did for me. So as we pray, if you're not a Christ follower, here's, here's, what, here's how you should pray. You should pray that you, you believe that, that Jesus is exactly who he said he was, that he's the son of God. And that you believe that he died and that he rose again. And here's the hardest part. We, to pray a prayer of surrender. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do with my life. My life is now in your hands. I'll follow you for the rest of my life. Or maybe you're here and you say, Dwayne, I believe in Jesus. I, I follow the Lord. But I'm, I'm struggling with some of these areas that you're talking about. I'm dealing with, with issues of integrity. I'm not, who, I'm not who I want people to think I am. Maybe there's stuff you're looking at that you know you shouldn't look at. You know it's hurting you, hurting your marriage. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction. Maybe you're just, you're, you're having such a hard time because you want people to think that you're all that and you... So you lie so people will think that things are better than they really are. Hey, the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is, is to repent. And here's, here's what that means. That just means that you agree with God that He's right and you're wrong. We confess our sin to Him and then we turn from that sin. So if it's lying, yes, God. I'm, I'm struggling with lying. So... I need your forgiveness. I, I know your word tells me not to lie. So I'm walking away from that. That's what repentance is. So I'm going to pray for you. And just so I know, nobody's looking around. Just so I know who I'm praying for. You're here and, and you want your life to be marked by integrity. And, and you need God to do a work in your life today. So you can become, listen, not less of a liar, not less of a cheater, not less of a sw- whatever, but you, so that you become more like Jesus. Dwayne, I need the Holy Spirit to do work in my life so I can become more like Jesus. And, and I want you to pray for me today. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand in the air so I know who I'm praying for. Amen. 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 Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, I love you. I thank you that you're doing a work in our life today. You're changing us. You're making us new. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would invade us in such a way that we would become more like Jesus. God, if there's things that you need to remove from us, then we we open the door of our heart and say, God, take what you need. If there's an addiction that we're struggling with God it's, it's yours and I, 
and, and you, you take it. If there's a thought life problem, then it's yours. If there's, God, only you know. So I just pray you meet needs today. God, when we leave here, we want to be closer to you than when we walked in the door. Thank you for who you are, what you're doing in people's lives in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Now, hey, if you prayed with me just then, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take just a couple seconds, just a few, just half a minute, and just in your own way, just just thank God for what he's doing in your heart. See, I I believe that when we ask God to do something, our first response ought to be to thank him for doing what we ask him to do. When we ask him to take away our sin, God, thank you for forgiveness. We ask him to help us with an area of integrity. God, thank you that your Holy Spirit is powerful enough to lead and guide me, direct me into all truth. So man, just take, just take a second. Just take a couple seconds and just in your own way, just thank the Lord for what he's doing in your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'll tell you what I tell you every, every week or just about every week. Hey, if you're struggling with an area and you need help, um, nobody, nobody here is a mind reader. Uh, but if you let us know, we'll try to get you the help that you need. If it's, if it's with an addiction, if it's with just life, we'll, we'll try to get you the help that you need. So you just have to call us. You just have to let us know. All the contact information is on that bulletin. Our ushers are preparing to serve you. Before they do, I want to tell you this. Many of you have already given online, and I want to say thank you for what you're doing, um, and, and, and God bless you for giving. They're going to serve you now.